0: Hello everyone, it's Friday the 30th of April and welcome to episode 53 of the Kite Podcast with me Will Evans and
1: me Ben Eagle. My Wi-Fi is back, although I have to say I might be out of a job because Becky did a very, very, very good job last week. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure why I've come back, but today <laughs> on the podcast we are focusing on the first milk business, um, which has seen some quite transformational change in recent years under the leadership of today's guest. They've also made some quite significant environmental commitments very recently, and so we're keen to find out more about that too. We're joined by First Milk's CEO, Sheila Hancock, and Senior Consultant at Kite, and now Seasoned Kite Podcast guest also, David Keeley. Uh, We're also joined, as always, by everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Chris, over to you for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this week?
2: Well, I'm bringing you my report from inside a very large and special jar of jam, specially made on the First Milk kitchen table, and which is available to First Milk members today. Yes, folks, today. And that's important, because for almost as long as First Milk has been in existence, its members have been promised jam tomorrow. But now it's here today. And we've got her royal first milk highness, Lady Sheila, on the podcast to tell us a bit more about it. Like whether the jam is strawberry or raspberry or even rhubarb. How great is that? And I do hope there's not too much mould at the top of the jam because it's been a long time coming. And I'm also going to take this opportunity to have a few strong words with Lady S today. Because those who have been in the industry a long time will know that First Milk has, until recently, been the most reliable of dairy companies. But it's not reliable anymore, alas. We could, for example, rely rely on it to be at the bottom of the milk price uh, league table. Not anymore. We could rely on it to make one cock-up after another, which made brilliant material for a hack like me and my mate Potter. Not anymore. Now, though, first milk is unrecognisable. It's consistently in the top ranking of payers. Over the last quarter, ranked number eight of 23 processes I track. And it's noticeable by its almost complete absence of balls up senior directors throwing dollies out of prams, And directors going off message by saying hilarious things at conferences. It's just not good enough. And I know how badly you're going to feel about all of that, Lady Sheila. Anyway, away from the jam and the self-pitying lamentations and on to my report. And let's start with powders. Not a single powder price on the official listings moved down this week and skim milk powder up moved up on a few contracts. And get this and call your kids down from their bedrooms and away from their Xboxes because they're going to want to know this. Dutch feed grade and food grade skim powder are the same price and that rarely happens. And a good price too. 2,500 euros. On butter, French is keeping the average EU price above 4,000 euros. But in reality, the price is around 3.9, which is where the current market is. So it's going to cost First Milk members a bit less to buy their buttered scones to go with their jam. And there are indications this week that butter is a touch firmer than last week. EU butter futures have dropped about 100 euros but are still ahead of the real market, again, at €4,000. New Zealand futures are about the same. EU skim powders are similar and about the same as the real market. There's slight weakness on cheese in Europe, but that, that uh, may well have stabilised, but Motz is having a bit of a wobble there, I think. Not much, and not over here. In the UK, the good news is cream hasn't dropped further, and is in the mid one thirty-five still, and spot milk is hovering above 20p. Happily for farmers, more milk prices are starting to be reported for May and June. Arla is, of course, out of sight at 31.5p, with a thunderous 1.3 pence rise. Dale Farm in Northern Ireland is up a penny at 30.6. Crediton's now at 30 after half a p lift. Muller up 1p. Uh, to 28.25 and South Carnarvon also up. More will follow, perhaps even first milk. But maybe it shouldn't. No, don't do it, Lady S. Having been devoid of jam for so long, first milk members need to be drip-fed, or rather dollop-fed, extra helpings slowly and steadily. Too much jam at once might be bad for them.
0: Goodbye. (laughs) <laughs> and sheila welcome to the show <laughs> thanks for coming on to tell us about first milk um first milk has accomplished quite a bit over the past five years under yours and formerly mike gallagher's leadership how has this transformation been achieved
3: Uh, Thanks, Will, and thanks very much for inviting me here today. Although after listening to to Chris, I'm not sure about (laughs) that, but uh, thank you anyway. I know it's really good to be able to to speak today. Uh, Yeah, as Chris has alluded to, it's certainly been uh, quite a journey for First Milk and indeed, you know, First Milk Farmer members You know, I've been in the business now for four years and um, I must say, I'd say it's it's quite a different place today uh, from the one I joined back in 2017. So, you know, a lot of what's been achieved, I would say, has been down to focus, uh, to people and uh, mindset. You know, um, and whenever I talk about mindset, you know, for me it's all about believing in the possible. You know, believing that um, the challenges that are out there are are opportunities, and you know, effectively driving driving change.
0: Mm, okay, so can you talk us through some of the key changes that have happened?
3: Sure yeah um there's just been a lot of change um i perhaps won't refer to those that that, that uh, chris chris did in his intro but you know for me you know there has been uh about three main areas that uh, we you know that's really undergone the most change across the business you know the, the first has been really around uh, our engagement with members and how we work with members uh how we interact with them uh, very much uh treat them as owners of the business um Really look to be fair and equitable in terms of how we uh, do business. And in terms of our decision making, really making sure that the decisions that are made are in their uh, best interests. Um, took a little time to gain that, uh, to, to gain sort of confidence and trust, uh, I would say, give, given some of the background. Um, but today, you know, it's great to see uh, that we've got new members coming in. And in fact, we, we haven't had a, a single uh, member resignation now for over two years. Um, this, the second area, so out of the other areas that I would say has gone, undergone the most change, um, around our sites and the creameries, um, and particularly driving productivity uh, through the through the manufacturing side. So you know, I've worked in the industry a long time. You know, had a cheese background, and uh, really, I suppose, came into the business knowing what an efficient cheese manufacturing business might might look like. Um, and over the past few years, you know, really with the right people, um, good focus and uh, investment, you know, I'd say we've delivered a a step change in the performance um, of our cheese manufacturing uh, sites. You know, if you look at our yields, quality, costs, all of those sort of metrics uh, over that time. And finally, I suppose the third area that I think there's been a lot of change is uh, really around the development of of customer relationships. You know, we've really been working with them to grow together, you know, we're now manufacturing and selling uh, 40% more uh, cheese uh, from the, the two creameries than uh, four years ago. So you know, whenever I joined, uh, first milk turnover was about 200 million, and we've just finished our, our year end in March, and, and we expect to be reporting a, a turnover of, of uh, almost uh, or just around 300 million. And as a co-op, you know, the benefits certainly, yes, are seen in, in the milk price. So, you know, from a relative basis, again, uh, as alluded to earlier, you know, we we've moved uh, very much from the bottom of the of the league table. And I would like to think we're, we've moved certainly further up that uh, further up that table. Um, however, you know we're the first to recognize uh, that we need to do to do more on that and we'll continue to, to do so uh, little and often uh, as, as, uh, as, as perhaps Chris was saying and advising us to do. I think that's certainly uh, what we like to, what we would like to, to continue to do. So you know I think the members now have have confidence in the future and uh, very much proud of the business that, that they own today.
1: Yeah, and, and yet another new title for Chris Kite's the Kite Podcast Chief Strategic Director. Um, I mean, Sheila, let's um, let, let's look ahead um, a bit.
2: And, and so I, I do think there is a lot of pride in First Milk that they didn't used to be perhaps a decade ago or even less than a decade ago. You know, it has been completely transformational. And just think what you c- could have achieved if if I'd had that title Ben's just given me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's let's look ahead a bit um in terms of strategy um you've obviously been on this path do you think that you'll maintain the same strategy or similar to strategy in the medium to long-term future or do you think there are other new opportunities especially um given all the various changes that we've been discussing on this show for example over the last year
3: ultimately uh you know first milk strategy, its vision, is, is all around delivering prosperity. Um, you know, the main drivers uh, for us are around creating value and providing stability. Um, you know, the strategy that we have adopted over the last few years, uh, I think, is working. Um, you know, we've recently announced uh, further Uh, investment plans at the two creameries so this year we'll be spending over 12 million pounds that's a significant capital program going ahead and that's going to open up more uh, capacity and it will deliver you know further productivity improvements so so we're certainly planning to continue down the road that we've been on um but uh, you know absolutely for sure you know i'm not completely uh, blinded to to what's going on out there you know the world's changing uh really uh, quite quickly around us um and dairy in particular i'd say is under the whole spotlight with regards to environment and and um you know the climate side of things and i think consumers you know are, are you know increasingly concerned about um the, the environmental impact whenever they're making food choices so you know we've also announced as, as um, you probably know some ambitious plans on, on Net zero. Um, and as a business owned by farm by dairy farmers, um, I think it's really important that we protect our markets and indeed promote what we do and, and how we, how we do it. So you know whilst that's seen probably as a threat by some, I, I would like to think we see that as, as an opportunity.
1: We are going to touch on uh, the environment and your environmental measures a little later in the show in slightly more detail. But um, Dave, I want to bring you in here first. Um, Do you want to comment on on what Sheila's just been talking about, in in terms of the opportunities and for First Milk um, from from your point of view?
4: Yeah, I think there's huge opportunities at the minute, and it's really it's really good to see that um, the pace, particularly of the carbon story and the sustainability story, is really being set by First Milk. You know, they're taking they're taking the game forward. Um, I think you know it's got amazing traction with consumers Um, we've got processes after state what they're doing in terms of uh, scope three emissions declarations and um, the government is really behind this in terms of emissions and, and where we're going in, in forward uh, I think the farmers really farmers and your members are custodians of that change uh, and they've got the power to make it happen and I think one of the things that's that's really enlightening this last um, month that you put forward into the environment is you are looking at the the measurement and the context of that in terms of soil carbon, because I think this this area maybe needs um, focus in terms of agreed measurement and what the what the borderlines are uh, and what inventory of carbon we've got as as, as farmers as agriculturalists. So, yeah, I think it, it really fits in well with the whole protect and promote for the whole industry, um, and that's that's a big um, that's a massive plus for everything, um, and it, it's selling that onto the consumers and then delivering delivering that back to the farmers as enhanced benefits. And I think your members are now really seeing that uh, and it's really bearing fruit. And I thought, thought the word that was banded, pride, you know, that's certainly there. Uh, and it's, it's really good to see in the business. Um, having been, worked in Scotland for 25 years, it's, it's a massive plus. Um, and it's, it's great to see people chapping at your door again uh, wanting to become members of Fresh Milk. You know, there's a tremendous positive and a really good story. Yeah, I
1: mean, on that, what's your feeling of farmer sentiments on the ground, Dave? I mean, you've got a number of clients who are who are first mob suppliers.
4: Well, yeah, I don't, I would to use a football analogy? But I mean, it's the Brian Clough and Peter Taylor of turnarounds uh, that that you've delivered <laughs> um, for the Derby County fan that listens. So um, it, uh, it is. A, I suppose I should mention. Yeah. So it's a leadership thing. I think Sheila's very modest in what she said. I think the leadership that, that has been there, the corporate leadership within First Milk to turn the business round from where it was, has been um, has been a, a really visionary. Um, it's a fantastic example of from where the business was. I mean, there's perceptions at times of it being on the brink and it that, that's moved really, really forward. There's been a lot of sacrifice in that, um, but successful into implementation and the rebound of a, a leaner, fitter business um, that's strategically well-placed with its partnerships right across um, the dairy industry and food processing market to, that, that, that they're going to take that forward. Um, and I think, you know, you, like i said you've got a waiting list of people wanting to come to you which is it must be so satisfying from where you've been to where you are and they hopefully they expand with you as you get bigger and have more confidence in the market so you're really making the pace um, returning the benefits and the perception is very positive so yeah it's a fantastic story
0: Thanks, David. Now I really want to do my Brian Clough impression, but I I won't. (laughs) Oh, please do. I won't. I won't subject you to it all, but (laughs) um, I'll do it later, Ben. Um, (laughs) um, Sheila, uh, a key customer for First Milk is Nestle. Um, From your point of view, how do they see the situation at the moment in terms of an anti livestock agenda? Um, Might they be asking for any changes?
3: You know, First Milk, as a business, has been working closely with, with Nestle for many, many years. Um, we have a group of, of farmers that work with uh, Nestle uh, alongside with them, and they deliver a whole range uh, of, of programmes, um, things like uh, specific areas around animal health, welfare, biodiversity, community uh, projects. But now increasingly they've are they're they they're moved on to carbon reduction uh, projects as well. You know, dairy, for their business, is, is their number one ingredient globally um and you know you, you might have seen the recent announcement on kitkat uh, becoming carbon neutral by 2025 so you know we're working with them pretty actively right now to um, really look at how we're going to deliver that um and we're, we're very aligned in our approach uh, and the benefits that uh, uh, things like regenerative uh, agricultural practices uh, will be able to have uh, and can have on the environmental impact um, of dairy farming.
1: Let's turn towards that um, environmental um, impact uh, because I mean you've made some quite significant announcements recently um, including your pledge to be net zero by 2040 um, and you've also underlined a significant soil carbon capture project with nestle um how does this this increasing environmental engender um fit into your wider strategy would you say
3: I think the, the sustainability and environmental agenda is, is absolutely front, front and centre uh, in our own uh, overall strategy. You know, we, we want to grow, uh, we want to continue to return value to our members, but we absolutely believe that we need to deliver that in a sustainable in a sustainable way. You know, the whole vision uh, around sustainability for us is is about uh, regenerate the earth every day to to nourish the, the future generations. Um, And to be fair, as as a business, uh, it's not completely new for us. You know, we've already made some good progress in this area. We uh, launched our First For Milk initiative a couple of years ago that developed into a first formal pledge last year. Um, and that's been with both our members and uh, across the sites. So I think these recent announcements that we've made is very much sort of us dialing up the volume uh, on this uh, area. As a business, I'd say, uh, I really do think that our farmers uh, hold the key uh, to addressing uh, the, the carbon impact of dairy uh, in terms of their ability to capture soil carbon Um, and indeed you know can be seen as part of the solution you know rather than the the problem
0: so do you think that um the farmers that supply first milk um are going to be required to do that Sheila do you do you think to meet those environmental commitments you know what what's changes to contractual requirements and agreements do you see in the future regarding what you've just been talking about?
3: I think as, as I mentioned earlier you know what we've been working with our farmers so far has uh, on the pledge in particular has been all been completely uh, voluntary mm. um, so you know what, what what we would intend to do is, is, is work with our farmers uh, and uh, be able to give them you know tools and techniques so you know if we take a step back from that you know, a, a key um, a key element of our plans is going to be around the adoption of regenerative uh, agricultural practices um, which we see as being able to give sort of multiple benefits as well as carbon sequestration you know there's a lot around uh, water resilience and biodiversity mm. in those uh, in those practices uh, as well um, we're also keen to see uh, our farms uh, progress to be able to have a, a greater proportion of their milk coming from forage um, and indeed you know, reduce the reliance on, on imported uh, feeds. Um, one of the targets that we've set is to sequester 100,000 tonnes of carbon per year um, and I think due to the the type of of, of our farms and um, you know, the real predominance of, of grazing systems. You know, the vast majority of the land that our members own is already down to permanent pasture, which I think is a great start here. Um, we plan to be running uh, workshops over the next few months and we're working with um, Carb, uh, Farm Carbon Toolkit, uh, who's got plenty of experience, practical experience on this in this area. Um, And really, they're going to help us take and work with our members to be able to demonstrate practices that they can adopt that will suit their farm and uh, system. So they're able to uh, implement these uh, regenerative practices uh, on farm to ultimately improve soil health and, and, and increase soil carbon. So for us, it's all about providing our members with the tools and the techniques to be able to help them take action.
1: David, do you want to comment on that?
4: It's a fantastic, um, fantastic to hear that. And it, it's really good in terms of um, your 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 unique selling point as a business going forward, that that's, that's there uh, for the consumer to buy into. But um, for these environmental benefits that we deliver, there's a cost. Um, and is the consumer going to return that cost? How do you see that? Is it going to add value to the dairy products that are on the marketplace currently that you sell? I, th-
3: I think this is a whole, uh, it's, it's a really rapidly um, evolving market right now. And, um, you know, if you look at the if you take a step and look at the, the the national strategy by 2050, every part legally will, will, will need to be uh, carbon neutral. So that's only going to come from two ways. You're either going to have to, uh, you know, acquire your, your credit, your, your, your carbon offset credits or you're going to be able to work through the supply chain to deliver it. So I think there is a value in here. It's really how do we unlock that value?
1: Regular listeners will um, will know that we talk about this subject a lot on the show. Um, the environment is definitely one of our, our favourite subjects at the moment. Um, and David, while we've got you on, I'm just really interested in from the conversations that you're having with farmers, um, how are those farmers seeing the increasing focus on environmental sustainability and what they'll be required to do?
4: I think our enlightened farmers are looking at that in terms of the potential efficiency gains that they see and they're seeing benefits from those economic benefits, real tangible economic benefits and those efficiency gains. Um, so we've looked at productivity of soil and soil organic matters being really important. And it's a really um, common sense approach. Um, this is what we should be doing. This is right. Um, you know, trying to reduce diffuse pollution getting your nutrient requirement, crop requirement right, and, and, and thinking about the type of soils and managing those effectively. Um, I think going on from that, in terms of delivering environmental goods, um, there's a lot of pride in stewardship with farmers. If you scratch a farmer, you find a naturalist. You know They're really conscious about their environment that they work in. Um, and I think we probably underestimate that. So they're natural promoters of biodiversity. But I think probably as an industry, we need to sell that better. Um, you know, we need to tell them about the wildflower meadows, the hedgerows that we've planted, um, you know, what we're doing with ponds and wetlands and why, why we're doing it. I mean, farmers have got a tremendous opportunity now through, I suppose, the Elm scheme south of the border and there'll be the equivalent north of the border and in Wales that are going to unlock that potential for farmers. So, I mean, you know, in telling, telling, the, telling the consumer about that and, and, and making good on those tangible benefits, I think, are two key things that are, are really appealing to farmers. Fantastic.
0: Well, um, that's all we have time for. I'm off to uh, scratch a farmer and find a naturalist. I don't know about the rest of you, but um, (laughs) a very big thank you to our guests today, Sheila Hancock, David Keeley and Chris Walkland.
1: Well, I'm off to go and try uh, try, try some of Chris's jam. It looks absolutely delicious. (laughs) Um, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We'll be back with you next Friday. But for now, it's goodbye from all of us here.